This episode of the Disney Film Project podcast is brought to you by touringplans.com. It is the one-stop shop on the internet for figuring out how you are going to plan your Disney vacation, Disneyland or Disney World, it doesn't matter. Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, you want to figure out how to get there and not wait in line? This is how you do it, touringplans.com. Disneyland, you're trying to figure out how to get out there and how to navigate all the cool new stuff like Cars Land and Buena Vista Street and all that great stuff without having to wait in line, touringplans.com. You can optimize your touring plans, check the crowd calendar, do all kinds of great stuff. Make sure you check that out over at touringplans.com. They're the sponsor of this week's episode of the Disney Film Project Podcast. Hey there, Disney Film Project fans. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Just wanted a quick note uh, to let everybody know uh, Dick Van Patten recently passed away, and you may notice if you watch the movie uh, Gus before uh, listening to the episode that he is in the movie. We recorded this episode well before he had passed, uh, but definitely want to extend our condolences on our behalf uh, to the family and friends of of Dick Van Patten. He was very entertaining, and uh, although we, we do... Sometimes get on him in some of our reviews. Uh, we do, all did enjoy his work. So just keep that in mind as you listen to this episode of Disney Film Project. Thanks, everyone. Welcome again, everybody, to the Disney Film Project podcast. This is the show where we talk about the films of the Walt Disney Company, Marvel, Pixar, Lucasfilm, Touchstone, Disney Toon Studios, anything and everything coming out from the Walt Disney Company. We review it here on this program and over at DisneyFilmProject.com. I'm Ryan Kilpatrick, host of the program, and along with the folks you are about to meet, we run DisneyFilmProject.com, where you can find Blu-ray and DVD reviews, show notes for this very podcast, as well as content of reviews going all the way back to the shorts of the 1920s, all the way through the 1950s. So make sure you go and check that stuff out over at DisneyFilmProject.com. Joining me, as always, we have our fine film experts. First of all, a man who came all the way from Yugoslavia by way of not. It's Todd Perlmutter. Hey, voyage. Sure, why not? That doesn't actually mean anything, right? No, actually, okay, so uh, really quick, before you introduce anyone else, I'll just get this one out really quick. I actually checked it out. So there's three languages that are spoken in, in Yugoslavia, Serbian, Croatian, and Macedonian, and it is not a word in any of those languages. There you go. We'll, we'll discuss the importance of that soon uh, with Miss Rachel Kolb, who you can find uh, pretty much at any website that begins with www. <laughs> pretty much these days, yes. We will also discuss that with our fine producer, Miss Cheryl Perlmutter, who you can find on Twitter at CherylP3. How are you, Cheryl? I'm doing good. And yes, this was my movie pick. I picked this movie. It's all Ryan's fault because he gave it to me. I, it, this is a true statement. I will take the blame for that. So to, to back up a second, right? So uh, we are talking about the 1976 film Gus, starring a cavalcade of stars like Don Knotts, Ed Asner, Gary Grimes, Tim Conway, Tom Bosley, Dick Butkus, um, other people that you'll probably recognize if you decide to watch the movie. It is about a football kicking mule, but the reason so at Christmas time or or Hanukkah time or holiday time, whatever uh, whatever your celebration you prefer, I tend to send the Perlmutters films. What are the chances? Right, because that's what we do, right? 
we're film people. And so one year, I don't even remember what it was. It was a couple of years ago, I guess. I sent you guys the Don Knotts collection. You can still get that too, by the way. People, you just have to look for it online. Literally just right. look for the Don Knotts collection. Right. Yeah, usually in the like Best Buy at the bargain bin or something. No, yeah. it's on Amazon too. You can get it for like eight bucks on Amazon or something like that now. Yeah. Which is irritating because it wasn't eight bucks then, but I digress. <laughs> it should have been because this movie should not count as a Don Knotts movie. Don Knotts no. is in the movie. It's but on it's the not. cover. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Channeling somebody else entirely. Yeah. This this should not in any way, shape, or form count as a Don Knotts film. Yes. Also, this is like literally the only Don Knotts and Tim Conway film where they do not share any scenes. Yes. That's that's my other that's my biggest complaint is you have Don Knotts and Tim Conway, who we know from the Apple Dumpling Gang and other assorted things, are a good team, yet they do not share a scene in the film. Nor, sure. I would add, do either of them have any lines that one, one would consider funny. <laughs> yep. I was going to say, world's greatest athlete is looking pretty good right now. <laughs> I mean, it's a comedy that doesn't have any actual comedy in it. it there's, there's a lot of slapstick at, at one point. And that's very true. Very true. One very long point. But I mean, like, there's no jokes. Yeah. Half of this movie takes place in that grocery store. Yes. (laughs) I pretty much felt like it. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So most people tend to remember three scenes from the movie. The thing when he kicks the TV set in the hotel room, the supermarket or Andy's winning scene at the end. Right. That's, that's it. Nobody really generally remembers the rest of this movie. And, and there's a reason for that, Todd. Because there's not much of a movie. Because <laughs> nothing else happens in the movie. <laughs> this is one of those, like, we've talked about before where Disney would sort of, they would come up with ideas of gags and things, uh, especially with these animal pictures that they did in the late 60s and early 70s. Again, Let's... I will refer back to the point that they made a movie about a fact that a family got a dog. <laughs> Well, let's talk about this for a second, because all of these movies have one thing in common, including this one. Vincent McKevity. That's true. And, and if we're going to blame somebody for this, I think, well, besides Ron Miller, Vincent McKevity is the man. Yeah, he's, he's really the connecting factor between a lot of these movies, like, for example, Million Dollar Duck, yeah. Super Dad, any Herbie sequel, the... the um, the Medfield College trilogy, but the the second and third one, not the first one. Right. And the Apple Dumpling sequel, but not the original. That's right, because he's Disney's king of sequels, is what he's well known for. So, And and what the funny thing is, he's the the director. I I think we didn't mention that, but he was the director of this film and all those other movies. Um, But then if you look at his resume outside of Disney, he did, like – huge episodes of The Untouchables, Murder, She Wrote, The Man from Uncle, Magnum P.I., like really Emmy award-winning episodes, including like Columbo and In the Heat of the Night and all these sorts of things. And then he does these films. Yeah. Could it even taken that long to make this movie? I would think about three or four days. Yeah, it, it could not have taken longer. 
Yeah, and at least one of those days was building the contraption that knocks over the cans in the grocery store. <laughs> yes, <laughs> the, the contraption that you could tell was a contraption. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pay close attention, people. Some of the cans are still standing. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. Oh, you don't even have to pay that close of attention. I, it immediately stood out to me. Yeah, it's it's pretty obvious right away what's going on there. So, yeah, this is a movie with a bunch of great comedic actors, right? Ed Asner, Don Knotts, Tim Conway, Tom Bosley, um, none of whom are given any jokes. Uh, the biggest star in the movie is the mule. Uh, Dick Butkus is in the movie, but we don't get to see him play football. <laughs> Or, or or even hold a football, right? No, no, he really has not. He just kind of he gets to wear a football uniform, but we don't get any actual football. Actually, he attacks Andy once. He does, and he, that's it, true. He, it, it ends up getting him kicked by the yeah. mule. Yeah, like literally. So you guys understand the the plot of the movie is based around the fact that a mule kicks. That is the driving force behind the entirety of the film. And I use the word film loosely. Yeah, I, I just have a question. Aside from Gus, like, who is the protagonist of this movie? I, I assume it's Andy. Andy, yeah. But, I mean, you also have, like, Ed Asner and his whole, like, subplot of the, the bet and everything. His completely useless subplot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And Dick Van Patten, another funny comedic actor of right. this time period, also playing no lines, no lines, like three lines, literally, right? Yeah, yeah. It's bizarre because, like, it's not. This, this isn't a case of of like, um, you know, you talked about Million Dollar Duck, and I've referenced Ugly Dachshund a few times, and things like that, where. You have a Dean Jones who, at least Dean Jones is—he's a funny actor, but he can also play a little bit of serious and exasperated. And you know, like Dean Jones can carry a movie. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Even if the movie itself is bad, he's—he can be entertaining and interesting to watch. And you have actors who are capable of that sort of thing, like Ed Asner or Don Knotts or Tim Conway, and you don't allow them to do that, and instead focus your attention on the mule. Yes. And the guy who basically quit acting after <laughs> after being in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the guy who plays Andy, for anybody who's wondering. Right, Gary Grimes. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's it's a movie that I feel like, like, even as silly as the premise is, could have been funny and could have been good. Because we've seen this this sort of a movie, like, actually work. Yeah. The basic premise is not actually a bad basic premise of, a football kicking mule. Actually, there's a lot you can probably do there. It's just, yeah. Also, Not... how they get there is so bizarre. Yes, agreed, agreed. And yeah. the, the fact that they also flew this mule all the way from Yugoslavia just to be like the halftime show entertainment. <laughs> I don't know what he was trying to do. Well, obviously, he was better than the other half show entertainment. That's my only. That's, <laughs> That's true. That's They're true. not very cheery cheerleaders, <laughs> right? So, so yeah, let's 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 talk about this, right? Because the the film is basically the tale of Gus the Mule and Andy. Um, and and it's an emotional path, pathos filled 
journey of Andy seeking his father's approval. That's what I'm going to choose to go with. <laughs> sure. Yes. <laughs> because because his parents are schmucks. <laughs> you said his it. Father is, his father is the bigger jerk. I, I guess, yeah, the father is really the bigger jerk. The mother, right. not so much. But the father is like, did you even help bring about yeah. this child into the world? But we have to talk about the, about the subplot of him and his father because it, it's so terrible. So very terrible, but we'll talk about it. So the movie opens with a soccer game where the family, uh, what's their last name? The Petrovic family? Yes. Okay, so they're watching Stepan, their son, be this big, huge Yugoslavian football star. And in cheering, they managed to knock their son Andy over the side of the stadium to his apparent death. Oh, we should note that uh, that's European football, so it would be but, soccer yes, for us. Soccer, Here, here's the funny thing about that. <laughs> Nobody watching this movie needs to know that because they actually refer to it as soccer. <laughs> <laughs> Even though they're in Yugoslavia. Correct. But I was they're, just they're... making sure our listeners uh, – that, that everyone knew. Sorry. No, 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 no you're it's right. fine. You're right. It's fine. It's just it's, – the truth is that they never actually refer to it as football in the movie. But but was anyone else concerned that they're sitting at the top of this very high stadium because we see the cityscape behind them in this terrible green screen and Papa knocks Andy over in what seems like a fall that would kill him. <laughs> well, if their son is this big football star, then why aren't they sitting in better seats? That's that's a good question. Or live in a nicer home <laughs> or something. Yeah, I mean, in Yugoslavia in 1976, you would assume... Well, first of all, you would assume in 1976 in Yugoslavia that everyone did not, you know, use an outhouse or the things that it seems depicted in this farm or speak with such a uh, horrendous affected accent. But that's a whole other thing. It, it portrays 1976 Yugoslavia as like 1920s Yugoslavia. <laughs> True. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so – but. Apparently, the whole deal is that the parents are so proud of Stepan, the son, the soccer star, uh, and they are not proud of Andy, who, to the best of our knowledge, has no discernible skills. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't change throughout the film, by the way. No. It's, it's not a hero's journey where you see, oh, no, Andy really has this hidden talent. No, he does not. Well, he... Yeah, well, Gus. Yeah, at the we'll we'll go when we hit the end sequence, but yeah, when the animal character is clearly smarter than the human character, <laughs> right? <laughs> it so, didn't it, take much though to be smarter than most of those human characters, though. Yeah, yeah. And so Andy's all frustrated because you know his father doesn't care what he does. Um, he, his father says that Stepan, because he kicks a soccer ball, is a hero. And, yes. and Andy's not anything because he doesn't do any of these things. And he just get he's trying to work on the farm in Yugoslavia after the game. And he's kicking a soccer ball around and he kicks the ball far, far away. Um, he's got like four or five soccer balls around him. And one of them is behind his mule, Gus. Um, when he leaves the ball behind Gus, Gus kicks the ball and it goes a long, long way. Well, before that, we also get him falling into the well. Not falling in, his father knocked him into the well. Oh, <laughs> right, yes. Like, knocked yeah. him into the stadium. So, so you're five minutes into the movie, and he's been knocked down twice yep. <laughs> by his father. Very true. Very true. 
And and yes, and so so when Gus kicks the soccer ball, he kicks it a long way, and then Andy does it again and says his catchphrase, which is "Oyage," and then Gus kicks the ball. I want to note something here. Yeah, I was doing my quote unquote research, which didn't take much for this movie because no, most people have bleached it from their brain and don't want to write about it. But on Wikipedia, it says the following. And I don't believe this is true. And I think somebody put this in here knowing that we were doing the movie. <laughs> it says, note, there is fierce debate in the Gus fan community regarding the spelling of Oyage. Some spell it O-Y-A-T-C-H, while others give it a more Yugoslavian sounding O-J-I-G-D-Z. I would like to say there is no Gus fan community. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. There- Maybe maybe they align themselves with the Million Dollar Duck uh, fan community, and they've created their own website. We can, maybe there's we can just one out. person in a mirror. Okay, <laughs> I did want to say this. I did. I also went to the Google and typed in Goth's movie, and Roger Ebert gave this two stars. Yes, he did. Yeah, but he didn't give it a two star review. I was trying. I read that. I was trying to figure out why he gave it two stars based on the review that he wrote. Agreed. Because yep. <laughs> he literally said, "This is just this is just garbage retread coming out of Disney." Is basically what he said. Yeah, and then two stars. And then two stars. I, right. I I didn't understand that either. And so, yeah. So apparently there's a Gus fan community debating the spelling of Voyage. I don't believe that's true. Whoever you are who knew that we were doing the film and wrote this on Wikipedia, kudos. <laughs> also, I want to say that the way that everything that I read wrote it was O-Y-A-G-E, which makes that whole thing even funnier. <laughs> it, every, that's everything I, I – that's how I assumed it was spelled. All right, so then we get the – what I feel like they just ripped off from World's Greatest Athlete. I don't remember if that was after this or before this, quite honestly, because I, I tried to forget as much as possible about that film. But it's literally the same thing where they're watching the football team. It's Don Knotts and Ed Asner watching the film of the football team. And it's like, here's the offense. They're terrible. Here's the defense. They're terrible. And let's roll credits in between them. <laughs> the Special teams, so they're bad. The credits were terrible to watch. Oh, my gosh. They went on forever. <laughs> Yeah, we're pretty much through half the movie at this point, I think. <laughs> it's, no, it's about... we're not. I, since I just breezed through it to get a quote, we're not halfway through it. The penitentiary is halfway. Oh, jeez. Yep. <laughs> uh, so the, foot, the, the, the mule kicks footballs, everybody goes home happy, the end, right? So we're done? No. Uh yeah, so the credits are basically the it's Don Knotts, who's the coach of the football team, the California Adams, and uh, Hank Cooper, who is played by Ed Asner, who's the owner of the team, and they're going through all the players on the team, and they're all bad. And he wants to trade them all away. <laughs> yes, but no one wants them. <laughs> no, they don't. Which is a problem when trying to, to, to do a trade. So, yeah, the California Adams are really, really bad. And I'm not really sure what else we're supposed to take away from that. Yeah, there's some aggressively bad marching band music in this movie. I just wanted to note, especially over the opening credits. Yes. There's bad marching band music. There's bad cheerleaders. Um, 
yeah, there's a lot of bad. And bad entertainment. I, I can I can enjoy marching band music. Like I did marching band when I was in high school. I can appreciate that, but this was just I don't know, it was just really bad. <laughs> uh agreed. Agreed. All right, so Mr. Cooper, who owns the team, he has a problem. Like, he's got to figure out something to get people in the stands. Um, the funniest Don Knotts moment in the whole movie actually comes when they break training camp, when he is uh, spe- giving his speech about, you know, he always calls his team men. Like, all right, men, we're, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and he says he's got new coaches, but this is a new team, a new year. And he gives his big speech, and it turns out that the only people there are actually his coaches. The players don't show up until the next day. Only funny <laughs> joke the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> and all you get out of Don Knotts' big eyes, like he, he doesn't even, like you said, none of his lines are actually funny. Right. Yep. He makes it funny by his reaction. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so the coach is, or Mr. Cooper's trying to figure out what is he going to do. He's looking at the Adamettes, his cheerleading squad, which is full of people who cannot cheerlead. Like they fall over and they're not in rhythm or synchronization or anything of that nature. Yes. Yeah. There's the one girl that can do a lot of backflips, but she backflips <laughs> right into the uh, the drum. Right. Which really didn't matter because apparently the band wasn't actually playing their instruments. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay, that that was the one part of the movie that did kind of make me laugh. That they weren't even playing instruments. They just had a record player, I think, going. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Whatever. Um, and so he has to figure out something to get people to attend the game. This is his problem, right? He, he does not have people who are willing to come to the games... Uh, because the football team has apparently not won more than, as we find out later, has not won more than five games in the last ten years, which I don't believe would be true, or they would not exist. <laughs> well, they were about to not exist, so... They they would literally be contracted. The NFL would be like, okay, you're done. <laughs> uh, but they did not do that. And so, his one of his flunkies comes up to him and says, well, there's this football-kicking mule. You could bring him in as your halftime show. And so, as, as well, previously wait, wait, mentioned... Wait, 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 Let's go back a few steps, because this, this is not how he finds out. Debbie um, apparently has Yugoslavian relatives. And she gets a Yugoslavian newspaper. And she reads about Gus in the new Yugoslavian newspaper. And that's how... And she mentions it to... The other guy, and that's the, fl- that's the flunky guy. Flunky, and the then flunky guy's name over. is Joe, by the way. There you go. So it's all De- I. I don't want the flunky guy to get credit. It was Debbie's idea. It was. <laughs> it was also Debbie can get a man. Yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I have no other really. I I don't know, Cheryl, if you're focusing on the right thing when you're focused on who's getting credit for the mule. <laughs> I just want to make sure that, that, that Debbie's credit is given. I, I'm not Debbie's sure she fault. would accept it. <laughs> just saying. All right. So, so fair, fair enough. Debbie comes up with the idea and tells the flunky guy, Joe, and Joe tells Mr. Cooper. And, you know, they play a game of telephone until the Yugoslavian wonder, Andy and, the, and Gus, the football-kicking mule, show up. 
Uh, and so at halftime of the first game where the California Adams are getting crushed in their exhibition, I guess it's an exhibition game, right? Um, maybe. Unclear. I think, yeah, I think it's an exhibition game, preseason game. Uh, yeah, it's a preseason game. That's right, because they mentioned this later. Uh, Gus comes out to kick a field goal. Uh, at first, Andy chickens out. And then Gus nudges him back out on the field. And then he holds a football for Gus, and Gus kicks a field goal, and the crowd goes wild. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's all there is I, to it. I, we, should, we should mention that Debbie's boyfriend, Rob, is the character that the Bupkis plays. And yeah, and I would say boyfriend is a loose term here. It, well, it, it pretty much ends after the first scene. There's no more boyfriend after the first scene. <laughs> well, and like he's like, oh, yeah, aren't we going? And it's like... Well, we've never actually seen you go on a date in the movie. <laughs> you don't even allude to the fact that you have gone on a date. And you don't go on a date in the movie. And pretty much the moment that we, you are seen, she dispenses with you for the Yugoslavian boy. Yeah. So I'm not really sure how much claim Dick Butkus had anyway. Yeah, it's true. Well, understand, like, by the time this movie was made, he was retired already, right? Correct. Because he, he had already been injured and retired because... And- Hall of Fame later on that same decade. That all happened in the same day, which is funny because actually I looked up, looked it up, and Johnny Unitas is in the movie later on, and doing announcing. Yes, and he actually also was injured in 1970, retired in 1973, and Hall of Fame in 1979. They're same years for both of them. Thought that was interesting. In regards to the relationship and the fact that we never actually see it on screen, I just figured it was kind of like Charlie and the Angel where an entire relationship would happen and we just would never see or hear any of it. Oh, that could be. (laughs) There's a lot that happens in this movie that is, um, I don't know if you would say implied or not actually done, doesn't happen, something of that nature. Like Like, the whole, all the football. And the drive-in movie scene, which comes out of nowhere. (laughs) Right. So you you did catch what movie's on the screen, right? As no, all I caught was that the dude who was in the car was which we're skipping around, but whatever. Uh, the dude who was in the car that that is bigger than Dick Butkus also played um, what's his name, the Jaw guy in in uh, the Roger Moore it's, Bond it's, it's films. Richard, it's Richard Keel, and he plays Jaws yep. in Bond's film. Um, and so what's playing on the screen at the at the drive-in is the chase scene for Million Dollar Duck. Well, that's unfortunate. Oh. That's not good for anybody involved. Well, I don't know. That's actually the be- we when we discussed it. I'm pretty sure we decided that the chase scene was actually one of the best parts of the movie. Well, that's true. Okay, I'm just saying and, we have a lot of other movies to pick from, and that chase scene is definitely better than this movie. <laughs> that's true. I would watch a loop of that chase scene for 90 minutes over watching Gus again. It has more plot, I think, than Gus. I don't yeah. know. I think Gus has too many plots. I think that's part of the problem. That's right, because, because what <laughs> happens after that, that game is that they, the bet occurs. Right, so there's a bet between that comes up for no discernible reason, I might add. Like, we kind of get an allusion to a reason, but we don't get an actual reason. Because Ed Asner is sitting there with, uh, I don't know who the other guy is. Charlie. Charlie. And he says, oh, I'll bet you the team, Charlie, that we will 
win half our games this year or something like that. You're right, could tell. If you pay close attention, it's because he wants to cancel a note that he has with Charlie. Yes. Which implies that Charlie's a loan shark. Right. Okay. <laughs> implies, but does not state, I thought Charlie was just a regular business guy. No. no. I, I, well, at this point, I figured out pretty soon that he was shady, right? <laughs> but He's nice shady, though. Yeah. So there's no discern- there's no character here, by the way. Ed Asner is not playing a nice guy, which is what Ed Asner does best, I might add. But Ed Asner is playing a, a, a grumpy dude who apparently owns a lot of money to loan sharks. Wait, wait, wait. Did you just say the words, Ed Asner is playing a grumpy dude? Yeah. I think you have to just figure, Ed Asner is playing what you're used to. Right. That's what I said. Yeah. yeah. That's what he does best. But what I mean is, like, there's no characters to root for here. What, no. Who are you rooting for? The mule? Yeah, even Andy you're not, is not, like, that interesting. Yeah, I, he, he really doesn't have any discernible qualities. Or personality. I mean, he barely speaks. Andy, the main character, barely talks in the whole movie. Yeah, he doesn't talk till till after, after the... the in, during and after the 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 gust napping, right? Gus napping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so they make this bet, and the bet is he's first. It's I'll, they'll win half the games, and if not, I'll sell you the team, you know, for for whatever I owe you. Uh, and the, and then he says, well, if you're so confident, why don't you make it? The, they'll make the playoffs, and then it's no, not only make the playoffs, they'll they'll win the Super Bowl. Now, why? In any way, shape, or form, Ed Asner's character, Mr. Cooper, would make this bet, I have no idea. (laughs) I think he had nothing to lose at this point. Other than his life, if he already (laughs) owes the guy money, and he's a loan shark, and then he owes him a team, there's going to be some problems. He can have the team. The team is probably a cheaper sell than the I want the money that he owes. At this point, that's true. In the 70s, NFL teams weren't worth $2 billion. <laughs> that's no. true. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, yeah. So, that's the bet. They make the big bet. And then we go to the first game of the season. And the Adams, in their typical Adam fashion, uh, cannot run the ball, cannot pass the ball, cannot actually hang on to the ball. And they have it's like fourth and whatever, 157 from their own three-yard line. And... Mr. Cooper says, we're going for the field goal. I'm putting in Gus the Mule to kick the field goal. And lo and behold, there is no rule in the record book that says that Gus cannot kick. What I would like to point out is there is a rule probably in the record book that says he has to be on the team before the game starts. (laughs) Maybe not back in 1970. No, I'm pretty sure. (laughs) <laughs> I think I, this is a sports movie for a person who who works every day in sports. This is a sports movie for people who don't know sports. <laughs> it's like they they don't pay attention to the sports, nor do they actually write the rules of the sports, or do they care about the rules in any way? Uh, but anyway, they put Gus the Mule in. He kicks a field goal from like his own three yard line. Everybody's all impressed, and that's the that's the Adams offense, and they actually win a game, uh, much to the chagrin of. 
Johnny Unitas and uh, the horrible sportscaster doing the same exact gag that Howard Cosell did in World's Greatest Athlete where he would not let the color analyst talk. And Rob. Yeah. Yes, and Rob, Dick Butkus's character, is all upset because he was the star of the team before the mule showed up, and now he's not. Because if, there's a I mule. mean, they're a really terrible team, though, so being the star of that team is not really that big a deal. I'd agree yeah. with that. Yeah, if nobody can get the ball to you, what are you actually doing? <laughs> <laughs> we wouldn't know because we don't see any actual football. True. All we see is, like, Gus kick... We see the ball fly through the goalposts, and we see the scoreboards, and that's it. Yeah, ever since the first, the first feeling, we don't, we don't see them again for a while. No, not at all. Even, even towards the end, when, we, when Gus in certain times is not in the game, they don't actually show us the team playing football. They show us Don Knotts and Ed Asner on the sidelines going, wow, we're playing bad football. <laughs> They're like... Hmm, I bet that's interesting. I wonder what that looks like. <laughs> but they don't have the money to show us. No. Which, speaking of, there's a whole lot of green screen in this movie. Yeah, there is. Including the football sideline. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, anytime they're standing on the sidelines, it's all green screen. Yeah. So they they win the first game. They start, what what they win the first four games. Yes, we get which to we just see the scores on in the newspaper. We don't even see like those. We don't even get to see kicks. We just see the newspaper flash by. <laughs> uh, until finally, Charlie decides enough is enough, and he springs Tom Bosley and Tim Conway from jail. So and they have to pretend they don't know each other. I love the part where they like pick up on opposite sides of the street. Yeah, they have to walk to opposite sides of the street to pretend they don't know each other. on Or either side of the highway, rather. That's pretty funny. And that's the bad part. That's the thing about this movie is, like, all the jokes are of that ilk. Like, they're physical jokes. When you have actors like Tom Bosley and Tim Conway, who are great physical comedians, who do great facial expressions, who do you know, can tell jokes, they don't get to do that. No, Instead, they, they just get... walk to the other side of the street. And then get trapped in a supermarket. <laughs> <laughs> we... God, I believe we were all trapped in that supermarket. I all thought I would us. never leave that supermarket. Well, the uh, best thing is, it, it's this, from the outside, it's this tiny little supermarket, and the thing must have been bigger than the football it field. It was the actual supermarket, too. Was it? Yes, it was a Ralph's. I don't know what that is. It, it's a, a California-based grocery store. Oh. Well, the outside it's... was a Ralph's. That does not mean the inside was a Ralph's. That's they were, very true. That they were filming all the running around in. Yeah. It's like the TARDIS of uh, grocery stores. It's bigger on the inside. It really was. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I agree. A Doctor Who eating ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> No, uh, no, no, no. He, he, he would be eating custard and uh, fish, fish uh, fingers. Oh, yeah. I suppose. Yeah, he's not so, in that form anymore, though, so... Or he could be. Either way you look at it. Yeah, who knows? Notice that Doctor Who's more interesting than Gus, but anyway, we digress. <laughs> uh, so, this begins the, 
the middle portion of the film. So as Cheryl mentioned, when they there, this is now like the we have just really started the main plot of the movie, and we're what forty five minutes in to the hour and a half movie. Yeah, to the hour and a half movie. So thus begins the second half of the film, which is basically Tom Bosley and Tim Conway repeatedly trying to sabotage and or kidnap Gus and Andy and the football team trying to figure out ways to get Gus to the stadium so that they will win football games. Yes. Uh, let's see. The first one is when they switch the horse trailers, correct? Um, sure. Yes. They get lost. That's the first one. <laughs> right. So the first one is Tim Conway shows up with an identical horse trailer to the one they normally ride in, uh, and he goes the wrong way, and they miss the football game. And the Adams lose. Not that we get to see the football game. We just see Gus and Andy and Tim Conway on the side of the road, and Andy doesn't think anything's wrong. Nobody, like, he doesn't report Tim Conway. Nothing happens. It's just the next day Charlie shows up to Mr. Cooper and says... Wow, that was tough. Sorry you lost the game. <laughs> like, there's no manhunt for Gus. There's no, just, well, that was tough. Yeah, but well, I mean, he found the next the day. Trick. Yeah, well, they can't repeat the same trick, so now they got to come up with new stuff. And they, yeah. it takes them, like, what, three or four more games to come up with something new? And we get to see more of Andy's annoying father. Right, because Gus has become a kicking sensation uh, and we do this satellite uplink to Andy's father. Via Telstar. Yeah. Who says, oh, he's not a hero. He just puts his finger on the ball and kicks the ball. Now, he's going to say this like three or four more times during the game. Right? Through the movie. Thank you. Through the movie, not the game. So what I want to point out, though, is that the whole idea, what you would normally expect from this contrived and silly plot is that Andy is somehow going to prove to his father that there is more worth in him by holding the football than there is in Stepan, or, or at least that he has some worth in doing what he is doing. Correct? Would you not assume that would be the case? You would think. Yes. Yeah. And that's not the case, but we'll get to it. That, it, that drove me insane towards the end of the movie. But we, we'll, we'll get there. Uh, and so then we have the whole thing with Dick Butkus getting jealous because Andy asks Debbie out on a date. Debbie is like the, I don't know what she is for the football team. Secretary. Like the secretary, basically. Yeah, she's the secretary for, Ms., for Ed Dassner's character. Okay. So he asks her out on a date. She agrees to go to the drive-in with him. Dick Butkus finds out, goes to the drive-in, and gets beaten up by the dude from James Bond. Yep. <laughs> which we already it, covered, so. Right, which makes no sense and adds nothing to the movie. Nope. Because it's not like Andy and Debbie go out again. No. Nope. It's but not tomorrow like, is Gus Day. Yeah, they have Gus Day at the stadium. Uh, before that, Tom Bosley sneaks in to Gus's barn and pours alcohol into his oats. In other words, a long line of Disney, of Disney people getting animals drunk. <laughs> yes. What mm. other movies have we seen this in? Pete's Dragon. Dumbo. 
There was there's some of these other live action films I think we've seen it in um, too. Yeah, there's one where a dog drinks something. I can't remember what it is. Yeah, I yeah. I, I mean, there's a, there's a, there are a few. It it's it's overdone. Correct. And so on Gus Day, Gus stumbles through the giant horseshoe arches that they have made for him. He knocks over the cheerleaders, rampages through the field, and of course cannot kick his field goals. Now again. My problem here is that Tom Bosley and Tim Conway keep coming up with ideas on how to sabotage Gus that are only good once. <laughs> Can we not well, come up with a more effective games. solution? See, if, if it was a full season, right, worst case, they'd have to do 14 schemes, Yeah, right? back in the 70s, it would have been 14. 16 right. now. Yeah, 14. Right. so that's not bad. That's not horrible. You could come Still. Thanks. Like they're they're not accomplishing their goal here, which is to keep the team. They're trying to keep Gus from getting the team into the playoffs, and they can, it takes them. Apparently, they have to rest for a month between ideas. <laughs> Perhaps it's unclear. I mean, you know what's funny is you're talking like how they more more games occur off screen than on screen is because literally between that and this, then we get that whole thing where apparently the Adams have beat the Bills, but we never saw the game, but we're getting the post game. Right, we get the post game report that they that they won. It's like, oh, that was I bet that was interesting. Yes, by actual announcer Larry McCormick. Yes, we get Larry McCormick. We have Dick Enberg actually calls some of the games uh, locally. You're right. He's the booth guy. Yes, he is. That's interesting as well. Yeah, more interesting than a lot of other things. More interesting than the movie. <laughs> Yeah, we do. We get the the post game with the Bills, uh, where you know Gus is still a big deal because he won the game. Uh, but we've got to come up with some some more uh, good reasons for for them to win. But what they get all the way to the playoffs before these guys can come up with another scheme? Um, no. Well, next one is kidnap Andy, not Gus. Oh, yes, that's correct. As they get into the uh, the last game of the season. Uh, they they kidnap Andy, or, or they don't actually kidnap Andy. They convince Andy that Debbie is in the hospital. Yeah, that yeah. she was in a car accident. <laughs> and she needs a blood transfusion from him and yeah. only him. <laughs> right. Despite the fact that they don't know his blood type. That was my favorite part. What's your blood type, kid? I don't really know. Oh, that's exactly what she needs. <laughs> this, by the way, Tom Bosley pretending to be a Jewish doctor was the best acting in the whole movie. It is. <laughs> and I'm not being facetious like it really is uh, yeah and so they keep him at the hospital and instead Debbie runs out in Andy's uniform and tries to convince Gus to kick the football and he does it and so that leads Andy to have an existential crisis and to question all reality <laughs> that's what I'm going with I don't know what you guys saw Pretty much. I agree. That's yeah. what happens. Well, he's like, basically, his father's right. All I'm doing is sticking my finger on the football. Um, which, I have to say, his father's a jerk, but his father's not wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah. But really, I mean, his father could have been, my son's the best football holder for that donkey. But no. And then you would have been like, well, that's a little silly. But silly would have been really enjoyable at this point. Well, that's true. That's a good point. <laughs> you, you, you do have a point. And so, 
<laughs> Elephant they, Rachel's gone completely speechless because she has nothing to say. I, what do you, what I you really don't. I, just... <laughs> I know you don't. That's why it's like so funny. <laughs> There's nothing to say though. Like like we're talking about it, it's like, well, this happened, but they didn't show it. And then this happened, but they didn't show that either. It's pretty much the only things they show are like, you know, random things. It's sort of like there's a really good movie happening off screen. Yeah, if you just move the camera over a little ways. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> just pan over this way. So basically, it comes down to the playoffs. The whole bet's going to pay off if they win the Super Bowl. Uh, and before the Super Bowl, Tim Conway and Tom Bosley kidnap Gus. They manage to switch him with another mule. And they take him to a hotel room. Uh, which they did not. I, I, what would have been cool would have been a world's greatest athlete crossover where they convinced Mrs. Johnson or whoever her name was that Gus was a person. Uh, <laughs> they don't do that. Walk him in on a hind leg yeah. overcoat. Right. And just pass the tiger and then Gus and the tiger fight. Like that would have been cool. What if Gus and the tiger were roommates? That would Harry the tiger. Oh my Gus gosh. Harry. That's a like, sitcom like I want to see. Yeah, like an odd couple style sitcom. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm in for that. Uh, but so they kidnap the mule, and the Super Bowl starts, which apparently nobody cares about the Super Bowl because there's no one there. <laughs> Did you notice that? The stands are pretty bleak. Yeah, there's very few people there. And so they kidnap the mule, they have him in a hotel room. He kicks the TV when – so Andy thinks that Gus is actually there. He kick, And when Gus sees Andy, he kicks the TV when Andy says oyage, which how they got that close up, I'll never know. I've never seen that happen in a football game. <laughs> uh, and so Andy figures out that that's not Gus. Gus manages to escape by kicking the door open, which leads to the most interminable scene in movie history. Supermarket sweep! Yeah. <laughs> It's literally for like 25 minutes, not literally, but it feels like for 25 minutes, Bosley and Tim Conway chasing a mule through a supermarket, crashing into things, getting things sprayed on them, getting dumped into tomatoes. They get hit by the spiker dude? They, yes, they do. They, I think yeah. I just figured out what this end scene is. This is basically if Home Alone... Like, if you did Home Alone, but instead of Macaulay Culkin, you have a mule. <laughs> and instead of at his house, you set it in a supermarket. That's that's pretty much what the end of this movie is. They get sure. things dumped on them, and they get dumped into things, and but generally... There are no marbles. Yeah, there are no marbles. And there's no Christmas, so not not quite exactly, but... <laughs> there's a bad butcher joke, because when, when he comes out of the, um, out of the meat... One of the, the best jokes in the entire movie. <laughs> She's like, hey, fresh meat! <laughs> and the butcher comes out chasing him with the, with the hatchet. It's actually one of the best jokes. Sure it is. <laughs> well... I didn't say it was a great joke. I said it was one of the best jokes. So the best laid plans of Tom Bosley and Tim Conway fail, and uh, they manage to find Gus, do Andy and Mr. Mr. Cooper uh, in a helicopter, and they fly him in, like literally fly him in. 
Yes, because the announcers say, like, how are they, you know, he's at this this location, how are they going to get to the stadium that way? And they're like, they're they're flying him in. Yeah, they they literally fly him in. Yeah, this is the point in the movie, yeah, Eric started actually yelling at the screen at this point. He started going, no, bad movie, don't, don't do that. Yeah, (laughs) and and they did it anyway. Yep. Yep. Now, here's my question. So, we've established that the team is bad, right? Mm-hmm. We've established yep. that the team cannot beat anyone. Mm-hmm. And yet, in the Super Bowl, without Gus for three and three quarters of the game, they are within two points. Well... So what we have here is two teams that are completely made up that aren't actually real NFL teams playing in the Super Bowl. <laughs> Anything can happen. I understand that. I'm just saying, like, it, <laughs> as, as we've said before, if you're going to make up the rules, at least be consistent to the rules. So Gus comes in and saves the day, right? Gus kicks the field goal and, and, and they win the game. Not exactly. Right? No. Uh, because it's been raining during the whole game, and it's muddy, and so Gus goes to kick the field goal, and he misses because he slips and falls. And so Andy, whose parents are in the house, picks up the ball and takes about the last 20 minutes of the movie. So really, the movie is half the supermarket and half this. Uh, him running the ball all the way to the other end, uh, into the end zone to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, with three seconds on the clock. At this point. Yeah. Well, once he starts running, it's okay, right? The clock, it doesn't matter if the clock hits zero. It's okay. Yeah, play Until the play's over. But, like, he, he throws the ball over a guy's head, slides between his legs, and gets the ball. Like, again, these are supposed to be professional football players. And this is also the most football that we get to see in the entire film. Well, and it's all fumbling. <laughs> Pretty much. And this, this is the thing that makes me crazy about the movie, among other things. But the main thing is that because Andy took the football and ran it through and fumbled and all that, now he's a hero to his father. There was no worth in anything that he has done to this point. That's what the movie tells us. Yep. Everything that Andy has done to this point is worthless. The fact that he ran the ball down the field in the Super Bowl, that defines him as a person and makes him worthwhile in his father's eyes, and he gets the approval from his father. Yep, because seeking your parents' approval throughout your entire life is certainly a healthy way to live. (laughs) (laughs) I I sense a note of sarcasm there. Just a bit. Just yeah. a bit. Yeah. Uh, this drove, that drove me crazy. I'm like, the whole point of a Disney movie is to tell you, like, like every Disney movie, that's part of what gets, you know, criticized in Disney movies is, like, the uplifting values and the, the things that say that this is not, you know, it's not this, it's not that. You know, you, you have self-worth in and of yourself and all these sorts of things. And this this movie ex- just pretty much contradicts that. 
Uh, but that is among its many flaws. Um, what can we rate? Can we all just agree to give this a zero? No. Um, <laughs> uh, shall we rate it now? I I heard a rumor. I was told that that somebody on this podcast actually thought highly of this film, Miss Cheryl Perlmutter. That is correct. What What were you going to rate this? Um, I I'm gonna go with a three. I'm going high on this. I like it. I like the comedy hijinks of it. If um, someone else who's a someone else on on if you Google, I'm not um, gave you a five. I'm not gonna go that high, folks. I know <laughs> that this is it, you know, it has a four star rating on Disney Movie Club though. The Tom Bosley Tim Conway relationship and those hijinks with them trying to kidnap Gus, kidnap Andy. That's the funny part of the movie. It's sad that we have to like wait th- half like quarter of the movie to get there. Um, but I, I like I said, I like the hijinks. I I watch this movie a lot when I when I go to bed at night. <laughs> it does help you fall asleep. Though. <laughs> I would agree with that. So it is a background movie. It's definitely one of the movies that you can have to like put in the background. You know. Go do all the stuff and kick, and then come catch the phrasings and go away. Like that's why I imagine like your kids may have done, if they if they were watching this movie, they may just see like the phrasings and just walk away after the phrasings. No, I was actually at home sick, <laughs> and I had watched this and I felt worse. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, Rachel, counteract Cheryl's review. Yeah, I'm giving this one star. They managed to turn on the camera. Um, they pointed it somewhere. It wasn't where it was supposed to be pointed. <laughs> this is very true. Very true. I, I will agree with you. One star. I mean, it's just like, it's a movie about football action and mules and kidnapping. And, you know, it should, there should be lots of hijinks and action in this. And pretty much all of the action, I, I, I swear they had to spend all their money on that supermarket scene, which is why it's so long. But yeah, <laughs> one star. Todd? Um, I'm in on the one star. I didn't want to say anything more than that. <laughs> yeah, they don't blame you. I want to note that the name Hank Cooper was again, was used again in the love bug of the name of the mechanic who meets Herbie. All right, so that's going to do it for our look at Gus, the football-kicking mule movie, um, which is hopefully the only time that sentence is ever said in in creation. <laughs> Uh, so if you guys agreed with us, disagreed with us, if, you, if you've seen it, you love it, you have nostal- nostalgia, I can understand. If you're a kid and you watch this, I imagine you might have liked it and you can understand it. But uh, let us know what you think. Email us, DisneyFilmProject at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook or Twitter. Or, of course, leave a comment in the show notes over at DisneyFilmProject.com. And we'll uh, read those and take them into advisement. And love to hear what you guys think. Always love to hear uh, even feedback on the show. All right, so until next week, for Todd and Cheryl and Rachel, I'm Ryan, and we'll see you again soon. Voyage! Right now, you and Gus are going to hiding right away. Welcome to the NFL. The mule is a winner. He's something we need in our daily lives. If he hadn't have just happened, we would have had to have invented him. 